0: Welcome to the next episode in our Back to Basics mini-series. The series is an opportunity to revisit some of the major tenets of crypto, from Bitcoin to wallets and security, from mining to staking. Today, we speak to Nick Pococo, Chief Security Officer at Kraken. Nick has been an active member of the security industry for over two decades, working as both a security practitioner and advisor. He now works at Kraken to ensure our facilities, products, employees, and clients are kept safe and secure. On this episode, Nick explains how private and public keys work, how you can secure your software and hardware wallets, why exchanges like Kraken are secure, and best practices for digital security in general. I hope you enjoy the show. Please note that this podcast does not constitute financial product advice. You should consider obtaining independent advice from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Nick, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, It's it's a privilege to have you on the show, and I'd love to start by going back to your background, right? What's your history? How did you arrive at crypto?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, and my background, I guess... You know, it depends how far back we want to go, but I've always <laughs> been in technology, I think my entire life. I, I was fortunate enough to have a computer when I was about six years old in the early 80s and um, self taught myself to program um, and then just sort of stayed with that through, you know, you know adolescence. Um, was in the BBS um, community on uh, bulletin board systems mm-hmm. in Chicago for a long time, then jumped into the IRC world, internet relay chat. And um, you know, got a degree in computer science and then just went right into internet security companies um, back in the 90s and all the way through um, for about two decades until I took a leap into, um, into more of a chief security officer role. So I have, a, I have a deep, deep history in security. And my first introduction to, to Bitcoin um, and cryptocurrency was around 2012. Is when I first was introduced to that through some folks who actually um, worked for me when I was running a a division of a company, a division called Spider Labs, um, which is a division of Trustwave, um, which is a, which is a global um, information security company um, now that's owned by Singapore Telecom today.
0: Okay, and yeah. what did they what did they show you back then in 2012?
1: Yeah, so um, so back then it was it was actually um, we had uh, it was a little bit of a crossover of technology because um, back when I was running Spider Labs, we did a lot of things in the security world. Um, one of those was penetration testing or ethical hacking, and um, and part of that, when you were doing those that type of testing, occasionally you would happen upon password files, so um, so you know hashed. Um, password files, whether it's from like a windows domain or a, or a unix machine or something like that. and um, the first thing you want to do as a as an ethical hacker or a pen tester is to try to crack that password file. and mm-hmm. so we had a fairly large GPU rig that we set up and was available to anybody uh, in my division or in my on my team that I was running that um, that needed to crack passwords. and so we had all this spare GPU power that most days of the week would um, would not be doing anything, and so um, some of the more junior folks on my team, you know, started learning more and more about Bitcoin and said, "Hey, can we dabble in this? Can we try to mine some Bitcoin on this GPU rig?" Um, and that was where I first learned about it. And so it was you know, what is this? And you know, you know set up a Bitcoin wallet. And I remember there was these things called Bitcoin faucets back then, where you can like literally you know, visit a site and put your private, no, sorry, put your public key in, not your private key, <laughs> um, put your public key in and they would send you like a, a small amount of Bitcoin so you can start dabbling with it. So, so that was like my first um, exposure to it. And, um, and then, then when I sort of moved into the chief security officer world, um, I was advising companies, running services business helping build technology around security um, for a long time and then when I moved into that and it was introduced to the executive team at, at Kraken um, was really you know when I started to make that flip from security to security plus cryptocurrency um, and that goes back a you know back to 2018 is when I when I joined Kraken
0: Cool okay well I mean we're all so goddamn happy to have you so um you know look the um the thing about crypto is that really so it, these these keys you talked about, um, yep. they're everything, right? And so, can you just explain to our listener, you know, this this idea of a private key and a public key and, and this kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so certainly. So, I think that, you know, there's think of it as there's there's two parts of your of your wallet of your cryptocurrency wallet. Um, you have your your private keys, which you'll hear people talk about, um, and then you have your public keys. And the real easiest way to sort of differentiate the, between the two is you know, think of it as your public key, key is 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 fine to share with anybody you want, right? You can you can post it on Twitter, you can post it on on, on other social media, you can put it on your profile, um, you can share it with someone who you may want to send you um, send you some Bitcoin or other or other cryptocurrency, depending on what wallet it is generated from. And so, public means it's it essentially is the identifier um, that allows people to send you and and, and have a transaction with you. Um, That's your public key. Now, your private key is something, you know, in the name, it says private. You should keep it private. You should not share that with anybody. Um, And so, and we need to protect that because if anybody has that private key, um, they can have, they can essentially prove that they own, um, have ownership over your wallet. Um, They can, they can sign transactions um, in, in the ledger, right? In the, in the blockchain, they can sign transactions and move your funds wherever they want. And so if you, have, if you have your private key and you keep it under under lock, locking key, <laughs> and we'll talk about ways to do that, you yeah. can, um, you, you protect that. And then you're able to then share your public key with people that you want to transact with, whether it's, you know, with the entire world or just in one-to-one transactions with a friend or someone you're doing business with we're purchasing, you know, someone's purchasing something from you and they want to send you some funds in exchange for something, whether it's a goods or services. Um, and, um, and that private key is, is there, um, for you to, 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 to authenticate and, and legitimize that you have ownership over that wallet. Um, and that's the reason why you want to keep that very, very private, never share it with anybody. And in fact, you want to keep it in a very safe place.
0: Yeah, it's like the the private key is like the key to the car, right? And the, yep. and the public key is like the license plate or something. The I mean that relationship though is an interesting one. And just in cryptographic terms, you know, one is a function of the other. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's the, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so, really, you know, when you have a public key, it's kind of like you. That's the thing that the private key produces, and you can produce many of them. Um, that that then. The the private key can kind of control anything that's sent to that to that address because it's a it's a, like a little subset of the of the private key.
1: That is correct. Yeah, I mean you can generate you can generate as essentially as many public keys as you want, and you can and you can have those in different places, or you can share them, you can post them in different places, add them to different accounts if you wanted to as like a withdraw address from like an exchange. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But again, the, the private key is is something that. Once it goes, once it gets out of your control or out of your hands, um, you have no ability to to, to stop someone from, uh, say, emptying your entire wallet if they wanted to.
0: And and what's super interesting about this, and and I remember the first time I came, you know, into contact with private and public keys when I was, you know, doing some programming and, and dealing with servers and, um, you know, authenticating via SSH, so SSH and, um, and then, you know, so this is not a new technology, right? Like this, this private public key thing's been around for a while. Oh, it certainly
1: has. Yeah. You know, public key cryptography has been around for, for decades. This is mm-hmm. definitely, you know, that concept is not new. I mean, anybody who's familiar with say PGP even, where you have a public key that you share with people, um, and then you have a private key. And then when someone has your public key, they can encrypt an email that they send to you. And only you, because you have your private key, you can decrypt that email and read it. Um, very, very similar, similar concept, um, at least at the at the, at the yeah. highest level. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean, that's so true for Bitcoin. I guess it's kind of roll, roll up of a, of a bunch of different things. So then, okay, so then you have these private keys and then generally, you know, you've been using this term wallet, they're kind of bundled into some sort of software of some kind. I mean, you know, either that's Bitcoin Core or, or what you're using, um, you know, it might be that you've got some sort of third party wallet. So how do, these thing, how do you interact with these things and, and how do you keep them safe?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for, if you roll back the clock, you know, several years ago, I think most people's first exposure to, a, to say a Bitcoin wallet or a Litecoin wallet was to, was to just do what you just described. You go and you download Bitcoin Core, um, you install it on your computer, you generate a wallet, um, which gives you, you have the ability to generate a, a, a pub, set of public keys and you have your private keys. And for the most part, years ago, people would you know, keep them on their computer um, or they would put them on mm-hmm. like a USB um, thumb drive or something along those lines. And I think, you know, people learn hard lessons back then. And they, people are still learning hard lessons yeah. that if you if you keep your private keys on your computer, and your computer happens to get malware, most malware out there, one of the first things they do is they search for, for sensitive files. Um, and some of the most sensitive files they can find are your private keys for your cryptocurrency wallets. And so, so certainly, um, people learn some hard lessons, people had those stolen. I know stories about people keeping their, um, you know, the wallet.dat file, which is, you know, that's where those are, were kept, um, where your private key is stored. Um, they would keep those on um on on like Google Drive or Dropbox. Um I, I've I've heard horror stories of people doing <laughs> that and then having their 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 Google account compromised or their Dropbox account mm-hmm. compromised. And sure enough, they went and checked their balance the next morning and it was empty. Um and so they they you know sort of a head scratcher. Well, how did someone get a hold of this? And they realized that they were backing up their computer up to a to a cloud provider, and all their yeah. all their private keys were up there as well. So that was that's what people used to do, and I think that's definitely evolved, right? Um, a great deal now. Today, you can go and you can get yourself a hardware wallet. Uh, you can mm. go and um, generate those private keys within the hardware wallet itself. Um, you can produce public keys, right? Public addresses um, that you can then you know use as you need to, and you can go and you can put that hardware wallet in a in a safe someplace. Um, in a very safe place, and if you really wanted to just deposit only to that wallet, you, you never have to go get that other. You never have to go get that that hardware wallet. Um, you can just basically take those take those public public addresses that you've you've generated and use those and deposit to um, to that wallet. Um, and you could you could be have a high level of assurance that that's not going to be compromised
0: at that point. Yeah. Well, I guess that brings it to another point though, which is that you know even going back, you know, you talked about digital loss but people just lost their USB stick or they lost their computer. They chucked it, you know, they throw out a hard drive <laughs> and the private keys are on it. And I guess that's kind of true as well with a hardware wallet. So we then get to this other layer in this in in this process, which is, you know, I mean, private and public keys, they're cryptographic um, and and they have to be generated to begin with. You don't just randomly, you know, put letters and numbers together to create a private key. It, it gets generated by... An algorithm, right? So, so, Correct. so, what do you do if you've got like a hardware wallet and, um, and you know you've got it stored somewhere? But even then, you know that might get damaged, might get broke, you know, might something might catch on fire, like some disaster might happen. Can you? What can you do about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the um th- the big piece there is that you have the ability as a as someone when you set up that hardware wallet, right? The most important thing is when you set up that hardware wallet, the manufacturers will step you through. The initialization of that hardware wallet, and will 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 have you um, generate a list of recovery words or seed words, and then you, know, based on their instructions, you should and you should listen to their instructions. Um, hmm. You should you know write those down on you know using like archival paper or something that's not going to fade or, or deteriorate over time, um, and then store that list of seed words in a separate place in some place else. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you, you know many people might have they might have a safe that's located in one city and then they live in another city and they keep um, their seed words in that safe in another city and they keep their hardware wallet in a safe you know maybe closer to them. Um, and the whole idea there is if for whatever happens, maybe there's a fire or some disaster and that hardware wallet gets destroyed, what you can then do is go to the hardware wallet manufacturer, um, go on their website, buy a brand new hardware wallet, and then you can reinitialize a brand new wallet with your seed words uh, and essentially clone that wallet itself.
0: Yeah, reproduce it right from, yep. from that initial in- entropy, which are the, those words, um, yep. which is really cool. Like that, I find that to be one of the coolest things ever, which is that this, this key to the, to the car, this kind of cloud kind of engine, the wallet can be really saved on paper.
1: Yeah. And it could be, it could be, and you know, that's, that's a, you know, that could be a blessing and a curse um, as well. So, I mean, these, all these things take a great deal of thought um, as a, as someone who's operated in this, in this ecosystem, because I mean, yes, you can generate, you know, you could, you can initialize and, you know, and generate a brand new wallet on a hardware wallet, right? You have that, you can get these seed words. And you can, um, you know, if you store them in a the correct way and you store your hardware wallet in the correct way, everything should be okay. But there are also are cases that I'm, I'm well aware of where a consumer has seen those seed words and they took a screenshot of those seed words and stored it in a cloud provider system. Um, like they, they stored it in their iCloud photos. Um, I've heard of a horror story like that. And their iCloud account got compromised. And the attacker downloaded all their photos and sure enough, they found the seed words in their iCloud photos and then bought the same hardware wallet from that manufacturer, you know, recovered it basically, recovered that hardware wallet using their seed words and then emptied the wallet. Yeah. Um, and so you have to be very careful, very deliberate when there's instructions that say, warning, please do this. Please write these down. Please, please don't store these electronically. Um, please keep these offline. Keep them someplace safe you should you should really, really listen to those those instructions because that's where people typically people take the wrong turn and they think they're safe and they're actually not and then mm. there's there's problems for them.
0: Okay, well, you know, a lot of people that are listening to this show, the, the first time they'll interact with crypto will be through an exchange. And so tell me about how exchanges handle this because in the end, they're managing wallets, right? And we do that with Kraken. And um, yeah, it'd be great to get an overview as, as to what, what goes on there and, and what risk there might be for the user and, and what they can do about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, an exchange like Kraken, um, we're, we are in the business, business of, of handling cryptocurrency. Um, and we're in the business of um, allowing our, our clients to, uh, to exchange cryptocurrency. Um, that's, that's the entire reason we exist right, within, within our spot exchange. And um, as, a, as a client of Kraken, uh, when you go and you set up your account for the first time, um, you will be stepped through, um, you know, choosing a unique username, choosing a strong password. Um, there'll, be, there'll be ways for you to establish sign-in 2FA on your account. Um, you could create um, a master key, which is, you know, think of that as like a recovery key um, for your account. Um, and then you can create other ways to to put different layers of, of two-factor authentication on your account as well uh, within your account. Now, as, 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 a as, as a consumer, as a, as a as a client of Kraken's, um, certainly it's safe to keep cryptocurrency on our exchange. Right? Like that's that's completely safe. Now that being said, it's a best practice as as someone who's you know, who's investing in cryptocurrency um, or is you know trading cryptocurrency is best practice to not keep all of your cryptocurrency uh, in one place, um, specifically in an online type wallet. Um, and so um, as as you. As you, as you operate on various exchanges, whether it's Kraken or other exchanges, um, you should keep what you need you know, to transact and to trade and to do things you want to do um, within, you know, within your Kraken account. Keep those there. Um, but if you're someone who's just buying lots of cryptocurrency, say you're someone who says, okay, every single month, I'm going to buy some Bitcoin. Um, just don't accumulate that on an exchange. It is a best practice for you to say, okay, I'm going to keep X amount of dollars in Bitcoin on Kraken. And then, you know, you know, when it gets to a certain amount, I'm going I'm to move it off to a hardware wallet. Um, that's, that, that's, that would be a best practice um, for, for someone to do. Um, yeah. But that being said, the security of your account comes down to the controls that we made available to you so that, that you, you take advantage of those. You know, it would be really, really bad if you were to go create a Kraken account and you say you, you choose a unique username and then you, your password choice is the same, that of your, same as your email account and the same as five other exchanges um, and then you just say, you know what? You know, this two-factor authentication thing is a pain. <laughs> I have to type, <laughs> type these codes in or I have to insert a Yubi key every single time I try to sign in. So I'm just going to ignore that. Um, that those would be very, very bad choices as a, mm. as, a as a consumer on, on Kraken or any other exchange.
0: I mean, that's true of of, of traditional um, platforms as well, you know, banks and whatnot. There's, you can lean in and you can lean out. And and the more you lean out, the more risks there are. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we we often talk to you know, to clients
1: um, when we're, we're, you know, we're doing presentations or videos or communications or blog posts, we often talk about personal security is extremely important. And one aspect of that is is your email. You know, that's really the hub of your digital life. So if you think of your own personal email account, if you're not taking the most security precautions around the passwords that you choose for that, um, enabling two-factor authentication, um, re, you know, Ensuring that you're not granting access to your email with by third party applications. If you're if you're not taking those precautions around your own personal email, um, then there's a high likelihood that if you if someone gets a gets a hold of that or, or targets you, um, that many of the other things can fall down. So you can imagine, you know, every single time you go to a site and you say I want to reset my password, um, or um, or you want to do something, sometimes there's approvals that get sent to your email. If if my if me as an attacker gets access to your email account, it's, it, it could be game over um, in many places, whether it's cryptocurrency exchange accounts, it's your traditional you know, online banking accounts, or your social media accounts. You know, it Really, many, many places sort of fall apart when, um, when your email account gets compromised. So you know, start there
0: first and then let those same habits um, bleed over to the other places that you happen to have accounts as well. Yeah, it's a really good point. And I think people overlook that quite often. Um, so yeah, 2FA on email and, and, and one of the really amazing things that, you know, I think I remember from, you know, when I, when I first joined Kraken as well, and, you know, you, your, you and your team take everyone here through this amazing program of, of, of securing, you know, yourself. And that's just general life advice. Not, it's not crypto and, and, uh, and Kraken specific advice. It's absolutely general life advice these days. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I think other people I've spoken to have talked about is maybe even, you know, not using just one email account right? For everything. Sometimes it makes sense to kind of do that strategy of splitting up, um, you know, and, and you've got to balance it with with practicalities of, of, of your digital life as well. And that's true as well for crypto because people are, you know, they might be trading, they might be mucking around with, you know, in DeFi, they might be holding some stuff, you know, for longer term and having this kind of spread of tools and practices makes so much sense.
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, you really have to think about your own personal lifestyle and put things in place that you know you're going to use um, and you're going to take advantage of and that you're not going to get lazy with and just bypass. Now, certainly you can, you can think up this, this most elaborate security scheme for yourself. Uh, and um, if you don't follow it, and it, you know, and, it tend, and it happens to fall apart, well, that's bad for you as well. But also you can, you can think up an entire, this like very elaborate security scheme, and then you forget how to use it. <laughs> and then you lock yourself out. Um, we also know that you know there there have been people who have who have cho- you know forgot the forgot the passcode to their hardware wallet. I don't really know how possibly you can do that, but they forgot the passcode um, to their hardware wallets. It'd be very similar to you know if you have if you're using a a password manager and there's that master password that you need for your password manager and you mm. forget that um, and it, you know well, how did you forget that? Well, I chose this this massively complex you know sixty character password that I was typing in all the time. And I, I just didn't log in for a couple of weeks. And then I forgot one of the characters or two of the characters. And I don't really know what it is. and So so that's where like when you're dealing with passcodes or pass code, you know passwords, uh, it's better to use like a passphrase. You know, something that you will remember, mm-hmm. but it's very lengthy. It could be lengthy. You, know, you could easily come up with a sentence and, and have it be 25, 30 characters um, that you'll never forget. Um, versus just trying to have it just be just random, random characters that you, you try to drill into your brain and, you know. You get hit on the head one day and you 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 sort of, you sort lose you forget a couple of those characters. Um, and, and that happens to people and they lock themselves out and they lock themselves out of their password manager. And then they lock themselves out of their, they get locked out of their hardware wallet and other places like that.
0: Mm. Well, it's a really, I mean, that's another good one to, to mention to, to folks is that using password managers is, I mean, we talk about it like it's just kind of normal. And I've been using those for so many years, but a lot of people don't. So that's such a, such, such a like fundamental thing these days is that you've got this amazing tool that lets you generate. You know really strong passwords that you never have to remember uh, multiple you know passwords for different websites, and then you need that one strong password right to to let you in to that yeah, I mean the uniqueness of all the passwords you choose is critically important as well,
1: because sites get compromised. you know there's been cryptocurrency forums that have been compromised. there's been social networks that have been compromised. there's been other exchanges who have been compromised, and when they're compromised, oftentimes the attackers not only go after say like funds that are on the exchange but they go after the other information that's there so they, they learn the email address and the usernames that people use they they get a hold of uh, the hash passwords and then they go off and they try to crack them just like you know m- myself and my team was doing back in you know in, in like 2011 20 you know 2012 when we were first uh, discovering you know be to use GPUs for crack for for, for mining Bitcoin You know, know, attackers will go and they'll use a similar technology to try to crack passwords. And when they crack Mm. passwords that are in, you know, one compromise, now they know your email and they know the password you you choose on that one site. Well, what do attackers do? They now have a list of, say, the top 500 websites out there. They're going to try to log into those top 500 websites with your email address as your username and that same password you chose. And now they'll, you know, if you happen to be someone that says, I just use the same password for everything well you you now are you now have a bigger problem on your hands you know not just one account has been compromised maybe dozens have been compromised and so that's that's the real main reason is why when you use a password manager you want to choose a completely different password for every single different site that you that you happen to log into and in every service that you use
0: well i mean i think at this point it's a it's a it's a great time to just assure the, the listener that you know it's important to you know be aware uh, and be proactive. And I think I remember one of the great things you told, told us on, you know, when we were coming on board, you know, it's about having a healthy level of paranoia. And, and that's true and it remains true. And I, it's something I quite cherish now. <laughs> I mean, especially in, you know, in any new industry or any
1: new technology, there are always going to be people that try to take advantage of, of folks who are, who are less experienced um, with that technology. Um, I, mean, I mean, still today, phishing attacks work. Against people, but you know those were those were born out of you know even you know decade you know decade plus ago when there were people that were coming online for the first time and you know attackers found out that they were able to easily fool people into doing things like giving up their username password or sending them some information. Same thing happens with you know within the cryptocurrency world as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You still hear about these things where. You know, people are people are trying to purchase NFTs, or they're trying to you know do things with NFTs, say with um, with MetaMask, and the attackers social engineer them into giving up their the recovery phrases. Um, and what happens then? <laughs> the attackers just go and they 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 basically clone their MetaMask, that person's MetaMask wallet and and, and transfer all their NFTs out of it. And so there, you, you just have to be very very aware um, that you know just just like in the real world. Um, there are lots of people out there that that will try to try to scam you, um, and it's not something that you should be so afraid of that you just don't bother getting into this world of of cryptocurrency. You just need to be aware of where that uh, when someone you know is maybe saying like, "Hey, you know, you if you send me some Bitcoin, I'll send you two back," right? <laughs> if I if I you know if I you know you know those types of scams are, are one thing, mm-hmm. but also you, you know when you join say like a Discord about a popular you know NFT. You know, project, and there's people that are DMing you, saying that they're gonna, you know, help you do something or or or, or get you access to something special. Um, a lot of times, those are scammers, um, and they're trying to take advantage of people who are just new, who aren't very experienced, and who aren't very aware of all the all the problems that could exist. And there, there, you know, there's plenty of victims out there, and that it, this does happen. And so it's just really to be aware of that. You know, scams exist. You know, in the in the in the digital world, just like they do in the in the physical world. And you just need to you know, slow down sometimes, um, you know, think about what you're doing and, um, and, and, and really be aware. And when, if you don't know um, what you're doing, ask someone like who, who you can really trust. Don't just join a forum someplace and ask how you do something or say you're having a problem. Because sometimes the people that'll DM you on that forum are people trying to take advantage of, of the fact that you don't really know what's going on.
0: That's a really great point. I think it's a perfect one to 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 leave our listener. I just want to ask one last thing, which is you know, for anyone who wants to learn more, you know, where where's a great place they can go um, to 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 get you know to to bring themselves up to speed on 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 digital security?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have you know, we have a lot of resources available to our to our clients, um, specifically on, on Kraken.com. There's I, I put together a series of of crypto uh, crypto security one hundred one um, small videos. Um, I think there's probably a few dozen videos out there Um, you can watch those um, they're off they're on our YouTube channel as well Um, they're they're like a minute and a half each and so if you just want a crash course and some cybersecurity for yourself for personal security you can watch those you probably can spin through all of them in in an hour or two um, and just watch those over time and you'll get a get a good 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 crash course and things that you should be doing and being aware of of for yourself in your own personal
0: world. That's perfect. Thanks so much, Nigga. Really appreciate your time. And I'm sure our listeners did too. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice. And we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller, and this has been the Crypto Frontier.